Praise the Lord. Anybody ready for preaching tonight? Amen. Well, get your Bibles and turn it to the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation, chapter number 15. That's where we'll find our place. And uh, this will be the first and the only chapter we'll get through in one, one setting, if the Lord allows us to. And uh, it is the shortest chapter in the book of Revelation. And um, we'll find that, uh, we found that out so far, uh, short eight verses. And, um, but I'm thankful for this. And this evening we'll, we'll see our 34th message the, in, the, our mess, in, our, in our series entitled The Revelation. And um, so I, I'd like to read the verses tonight and with the Lord help uh, give you a thought tonight. So let's stand to our feet. And reverence the reading of the Word of God, if we're able. And uh, let's read verse number 1 through verse number 8, the whole chapter here, if we're able to. And uh, if you found your spot, say amen. 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 The Bible says, And I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven, uh, seven angels having the seven last plagues. For in them is filled up the wrath of God. And I saw as it were a sea of glass mingled with fire. And them that had gotten the victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name stand on the sea of glass, having the harps of God. They sing the song of Moses, the servant of of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty, just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord God, and I glorify thy name, for thou art only art holy. For all nations shall come and worship before thee, for thy judgments are made manifest. And after that I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was opened. And the seven angels came out of the temple, having the seven plagues, clothed them pure and white linen, and having their breasts girded with golden girdles. And one of the four beasts gave unto the seven angels seven golden vials, full of the wrath of God, who liveth forever and ever. And the temple was filled with smoke from glory of God and from His power. And no man was able to enter into the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were finished. Thank you for standing tonight. Let's pray. You pray with us. You can be seated. Lord, we love you. We thank you, God. We ask you, dear God, in the name of Jesus, to please bless the reading of your word. I pray, God, that you would help tonight. Help me to preach with an unction and the power of the Holy Ghost. Lord, help not one thing, God, get in the way of uh, the message tonight. And Lord, I pray, God, that you would get all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. Lord, we're thankful, God, to be able to be in the house of God. And we ask you, dear God, to help tonight. Give liberty, Lord, and we'll love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So this evening will be the 34th. And it's interesting to see how it places us back into the great tribulation. Now... It places us back into that, meaning we have just finished the Great Tribulation in last week's message, right? I mean, in a practical sense, we had just finished up with Armageddon. But I think that's very, um, I think it's just um, pretty, pretty um, continual throughout the book of Revelation. It's pretty continual how that thing has went from the beginning to the end. For instance... We can find in Revelation chapter 6 and verse number 12 through verse number 17 uh, where it gives us a picture and it gives us a sight and it gives us insight and a view from the great day of His wrath. That's what the Bible says. It says it's the great day of His wrath. 
Now we understand that the great day of his wrath would essentially tell us that we're at the end. We're at the Armageddon and that's the great day of the wrath of God. And so, so we understand that, but yet that is not here. That's not in chapter 6, right? That's not what is taking place there. I'm, I'm leading somewhere. So, 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 but we can see in Revelation chapter 8 where it goes back and it tells us of some, uh, um, from Revelation chapter 7, I mean, not chapter 7, well, chapter 7 too, but especially Revelation chapter 8 when the seventh seal, I mean, the seventh seal is broken uh, and that seventh seal happens and, and it gives us some particular things that happens prior to the great day of His wrath. So basically what I'm trying to say is chapter 6 ends at Armageddon and then uh, chapter 7 tells us some things about Israel and then chapter 8 gives us the seven seals and tells us of the things which were taking place before the great wrath. Does that make sense? So it gives us a view of what has taken before the great wrath to come. Then we can look ahead at Revelation chapter number 11 and verse 15 through verse number 18 and we went through and we saw the kingdom appearing there at the end of that and the nations are angry and the Bible says the wrath is come. But the wrath hasn't come. Understand me. The wrath hasn't come. The wrath hasn't come. And then, because Revelation chapter, and we understand it's not in chronological order either, but the Bible is perfectly laid out exactly how God wanted it to. Somebody say amen there. So, so, so it's laid out, and in chapter 6, it gives us at the end of chapter, chapter 4, we're raptured out. Right? Chapter 5, we're given a picture of what's in heaven and what, are, what are the wonders of, of heaven. Uh, um, chapter number 6, we're given the, the pictures of the first six seals. And then we're given uh, um, that the wrath has come. Uh, and then chapter 7 deals with Israel. And then chapter number 8 tells us uh, of the things which were going to take place prior to uh, the great wrath that was to come. Uh, and then you got chapter number 9 and chapter number 10. And then chapter number 11 ends. And it tells us of the great wrath or the wrath that is come. And then Revelation chapter 12 uh, and chapter number 13 gives us a picture of Israel as a woman. Is, there not a, is, is this not how the Bible is going here? You're seeing what we're saying here? It, ever, it's going exactly how God wants it to, but it's going the same way. And it's showing us the same things in which it already has shown us, but it's giving us a more in-depth insight to it. And so then there's that, and, and there's a, there appears a woman there, and she's, uh, she's with child, and she's uh, getting ready to travail in child, and uh, then there's Satan, and Satan is working against her uh, as a dragon, and, uh, and it gives us that picture of Israel as a woman, and God's great plan for the people of Israel. That's chapter 12, and then chapter 13. Well then, the last few weeks we were able to look in chapter number 14. And chapter number 14 gives us a picture of an everlasting gospel and it gives us a picture of a reaping that is taking place on the earth. It gives us a picture of a reaping that is taking place upon the earth uh, and then at the end of that... Christ is treading upon the winepress uh, of the wrath and fierceness of God and He's taking care of all the nations uh, that have gathered themselves together against Israel to destroy her. That's what God's doing. And that's Armageddon. But then in these verses, we go back before Armageddon. So you've seen what's going on here. 
It's a reoccurring process. Chapter number 6 shows us, chapter number 11 shows us, and chapter number 15, I mean chapter number 14 shows us Armageddon. And then we'll see that again too. Because we'll go back prior and we'll see some things which are particular that need to be pointed out that's going to happen before the battle of Armageddon. And then in Revelation chapter number 17 and chapter number 18, we'll take a whole new turn because we'll deal with Babylon and Babylon alone. Remember chapter 14 at the beginning dealt with Babylon a little bit. It says Babylon is fallen, is fallen. Then chapter number 17, chapter number 18 gives us a clear picture of Babylon, who Babylon is, the aspects of Babylon, the character of Babylon, all those things of Babylon. Chapter number 16 deals with what we're going to realize in this chapter right here. What is being prepared in this chapter. And so we must be clear here that God has been merciful time and time and time again up to this point. God has been merciful up to this point. Now, however, we'll see in the next few weeks that His mercy has been withdrawn. And we'll see in this that final judgment has come upon this world. Final judgment will come upon this world. And I'd like to key into this passage tonight and preach on the impending wrath of God. The impending wrath of God. Judgment will not be distributed in this chapter. Understand that. Judgment is not going to be distributed in this chapter. Besides, we could say that in chapter verse number 8, there's a little bit of judgment because the temple is closed. Uh, but other than that, there is no judgment that is distributed in this chapter. But it will be prepared uh, in this chapter. And I want you to notice that in the next few weeks we'll probably preach a two-part series on the intensified wrath of God. Right now we're preaching on the impending wrath of God, but the next few weeks, make sure if you're, if you're having any problems, don't be here because we're going to preach on the intensified wrath of God. Anybody believe in the wrath of God here? Amen. And so let's look into this, the impending wrath of God. Uh, I want to look into that and I want to see three things. I want you to see the preparations which are set for the impending wrath of God. The preparations that are set for the impending wrath of God. Uh, Notice in verse number 1, And I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels, having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. Uh, And so um, John sees a sign in heaven, and he said this sign is great and marvelous, right? Uh, He said it's great and marvelous. In chapter number 12, if you remember back, John uh, saw this thing and he called it a wonder, right? Uh, He said there's a wonder. And that wonder was that there was a woman and um, she was representing Israel. And so there was a wonder. And those wonder and this sign are the same thing, okay? Uh, um, Yet this one, the difference is, is that one in chapter number 12 was great. This one's great and marvelous. So that I believe that that could tell us that, and there's two other, there's one other time that there's mentioned to be wonders in the book of Revelation, uh, and those two times are said to be great, but this one's great and marvelous. It's different, and you know what that could tell us? That could tell us that the intensity of this. It could tell us that there's something so intensified uh, that it's never taken place before. Uh, This is something serious. And so I want to look into the wrath of God uh, which is coming into view for us. Uh, How will these judgments be? 
How will these judgments be? I want you to notice number one, that these judgments will be fatal. They will be fatal. Now, these are two uh, um, words in this chapter. There are two words in this verse that that speaks of something that could uh, scream fatalism uh, or fatal. And those two words are that word plagues uh, and the word wrath. And this is not some little war that is stewing up inside. No, uh, this is brutal. This is fatal. Uh, And the word plague means a calamity. Uh, It means a flogging. It means uh, anything which is troublesome or vexatious. Uh, It means or pestilence, if you will. Uh, It means all of those things. And in Exodus, you'll see uh, from Exodus about number 7 to Exodus number 12, where the last plague is represented. uh, There's 10 plagues laid out there that God had laid out. Uh, they got something along the lines of this. Uh, um, there were fro- there were water that was turned into blood. Uh, um, there was frogs. There was lice. There was flies. Uh, um, there was death of the cattle and the livestock. Uh, um, there was ashes which turned into boils and sores. Uh, and there was hail. And there was locusts. Uh, and there was three days of darkness. And, and then there was the death of all the firstborn children which were born. Uh, and those ten plagues were not the end uh, for Pharaoh's army, uh, um, but he would destroy them inevitably in the Red Sea one day. Uh, and I'm telling you, this has given us that picture. Uh, um, this will not be the end for the world. Uh, but one day when Armageddon comes, uh, um, there will be a bloodbath from here uh, to Georgia on the other side, uh, and that will be the Red Sea. Uh, and God will not be parting that Red Sea uh, um, for good people. Uh, but those people will be drowned in their own own blood uh, and killed by the almighty wrath of God. Uh, There is seven plagues that are coming uh, that will not kill every man. uh, But what it will do uh, is it will put them in a place where God will kill them in Armageddon. I'm telling you something, it will be fatal, friend. All will not die in this though. The word wrath comes along and it speaks of something that is violent. It speaks of violent anger. It speaks of violent indignation. And God gives us a very clear picture of His wrath uh, in Romans chapter number 1. And He gives us that clear picture and in His holy uh, and in His just indignation uh, that He holds against sin. Uh, God will not stand for sin. uh, And He will lash out uh, and He'll lash out in His undiluted, uh, unimaginable, undeniable righteous wrath is what it will be. He's perfectly holy and He's perfectly just. Amen. These judgments will clearly be fatal, wouldn't you say? These judgments will be fatal. These judgments, secondly, will be final. Now the Bible says in verse number 1, it says seven angels having the seven what? Seven what? Last plagues. Now this verse tells us very clearly that there are seven last plagues. So it will be final. I mean, there's nothing I need to add or take away from that. Doesn't that sound like what it tells you? I mean, it tells me that there will be no more after these seven judgments. Uh, All the devastation uh, of the judgments which are prior that have already been cast during the tribulation, uh, um, this one will be final and it will be the hardest one that He's ever thrown before. 
This is against Satan, it's against sin, it's against depravity, it's against sinfulness, it's against all those things. And once these are accomplished, there will be no more plagues. There will be final and fatal. Amen. They'll be final and fatal. Lastly, they'll be these judgments will be fulfilled. Now understand in verse number five, in verse number six, the Bible says, verse number one, the Bible says, For in them is filled up the wrath of God. For in what? Well, the seven last plagues is filled up the wrath of God. And then in verse number 7, the Bible says, And one of the four beasts gave unto the seven angels seven golden vials full of the wrath of God. Right? We're dividing the scripture correctly. I believe it's pretty clear that these last seven judgments will be God's complete plan of judgment. In His total complete plan uh, of judgment. Uh, and, and, uh, and it's interesting. It's very interesting to me because if you were to look up these two words and you were to find uh, uh, maybe the Greek term and the Hebrew term, and we don't have to have all those things, uh, but those two words in the Greek term is the word teleo. And that, or, or, or to tescale, or to, I can't say that exactly, but, but in those words is something very big because it tells us something. And here's what it tells us. If you'll look at John chapter 19 verse 30, Jesus said on the cross as he's hanging there, it is finished. He said, it is finished. That is the same word that's used here. It is the exact same word, exact same term, and you know what it means? It simply means to us that it's to finish something with full strength. He finished on the cross with full strength. Somebody say amen there. Uh, he finished with full strength. He might not have had the physical body. Uh, oh, but friend, he had everything else that he needed to finish on the cross of Calvary. Uh, and he said, it is finished. Uh, and if we were to look back at that as Christ hung on that cross uh, and he cried, it is finished. Uh, he said, I am done. I have finished the task that was at hand. Uh, and all the judgments of God uh, are going to be fulfilled at this moment. It also gives us the idea over there in verse number 7 it says they're full. It says they're filled up in verse number 1 but in this one it says they're full. And that gives us the idea if, has anybody ever ate a meal and they've just been so full and you're like man I'm so full I could bust. Think about that. His judgments are so full they're fixing to burst. They're fixing to burst. They're about, he's about to blow is what he's about to do. The Lord has been merciful for so long, uh, yet his wrath cannot be contained any longer. Uh, his wrath has been withheld by his mercy. Uh, and friend, but here they have rejected God. Uh, they've rejected Christ, atoning death on the cross at Calvary. Uh, and they will have to pay for their own sin. They have to pay for their own sins. His justice will come gushing out. It's busting at the seams because he's just showed mercy. The Lord, is not, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to usward. Thank God that he's long suffering to usward. Not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. God has waited and granted his mercy uh, upon America and upon all the worlds. Uh, but I'm telling you right here at this moment, he will not have any more to give I'm telling you the preparations have been set for the wrath of God secondly I want you to notice the peace of saints within the wrath of God the peaceful saints within the wrath of God 
Notice in verse number 2, I want you to notice where the Bible says, And I saw as it were a sea of glass mingled with fire. That's not very close. That's not nothing. That doesn't have anything to do with peaceful, does it? It doesn't seem peaceful. Well, it could be. But And them that had gotten the victory over the beast. We'll go through that in a second. So I want you to notice a few things out of this. The scene changes, right? In front of John's very eyes, the scene changes. He's talking about the feeling up of the wrath of God and there's seven angels, there's seven vials, or there's seven angels and the seven last plagues. There's seven vials. There's all of those things within this text, the seven. And seven does mean a lot because it also means finished. It means completeness. It means perfection. It means all those things. And so these are last. But nonetheless, there's... He, he see instead of seeing the filling up of that, he sees saints shouting, singing, you know, doing what saints do. Somebody say amen. They're doing what saints do in these verses. Amen. Saints do this stuff. Amen. But notice a few things we see here. Uh, that one of them doesn't necessarily have to do with it, but it's for alliteration's sake, and it goes right along. The Lord alliterates in the Bible pretty good. Uh, there's a sea of glass. There's a sea of glass. I believe that's something that we ought to take attention to, wouldn't you say so? I mean, there's, there's, there's a change here. This sea of glass is only mentioned twice in the Bible in that exact term, okay? The sea of glass. In that exact term, it's only mentioned two times in the Bible, and both times are mentioned in the book of Revelation. And we understand in Revelation chapter 21, there will be no more sea, and we understand it's probably talking about this sea. Or it could have been just John writing that in his own commentary because he was on the island of Patmos, and that's all he could see as far as he looked was sea. But nonetheless, however you want to look at it, that's fine. But both are here in Revelation. In Revelation chapter 4, verse number 6, the saints are raptured out in verse number 1. And the church, when we were raptured out, stood upon the sea. Right? And the Bible says that it were as it were a crystal. And, and, and it was considered to be like unto a crystal. There's no color. And, and, and you know, I, I even mentioned to you possibly that this could be frozen. And I believe there's a, high, there's a high thing to that. But nonetheless, frozen. And on this earth, nothing is moved as much as the sea moves. Right? The sea is constantly moving. It's constantly moving. And, uh, um, but, but, but this sea, this sea is solid. It's unmoving. It's, it's absolutely solid. It's sealed over, if you will. That's what this sea is. And, and yet now, now this sea is not just solid. It's still solid. It's still sea of glass. But not only is it just that, but it's no longer just under crystal. But it's mingled with fire. So for frozen, now it's fire. But nonetheless, it's raging. Fire rages, right? It's moving. You know, fire moves. So the time has come to deal fully and finally with sinful man. God is tired of sinful, rebellious, unrepentant man that even the sea like unto a crystal has been affected by. That's how God's mad. God's mad. Wouldn't you say so? Righteously. Amen. There's a, there's a sea of glass. Now I want you to notice the saints of glory. And the Bible says the uh, next part of this verse. And them that had gotten the victory over the beast and over his image, his mark, his number of his name stand on the sea of glass. They have come through the tribulation. Can't you say it paid to serve God for them? 
The Antichrist, Satan and his team hated them along the way. The world hated them. Uh, the world probably called them foolish. Uh, and they could have just took the mark and all of their hard times would have been over with. Uh, and yet here they are and they stood uh, and they, they looked at them uh, and now they are standing. That's what the Bible says. You know why? Well, they're standing here because they stood there. Amen. Uh, they're standing here because they took a stand. Uh, they stood stood for the word of truth. Uh, they stood for what was right. Uh, and they're home and they're in glory forever. Uh, they're not foolish. Uh, they're not fleeing from the Antichrist or Satan uh, or any of his foes. Uh, no, friend, they're free. Uh, they're free forever. Uh, um, they're not dead. Uh, um, they're not dying. Uh, they're not defeated. Uh, um, they're not discouraged. No, they're delighted. Uh, they're in heaven. Uh, they're where they need to be. They're not hiding. They're not hunted uh, and they're not haunted by this they are home they're home. Look what God has done to them. They may have not had everything the world could have gave them, but they did not miss out on it. And look at what they gained. They will be home while the world is hurting. They will be worshiping while the world is under wrath. They will be free while the world is on fire. Nothing can stop them. These are the saints of glory. And thank God I'll be there. The saints of glory, we see a song of gratefulness. The Bible says very clearly in verse number 3, And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints, who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name. For thou art only, only art holy, for all nations shall come and worship before thee, and for thy judgments are made manifest. That's not a song we sing in Baptist churches today. Amen. But in Revelation chapter number 13, in verse number 4, there are those who are on earth and they are crying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? They're crying that on the earth and these who are in heaven who have overcome, who have been overcome by the beast but in that have also gotten victory over the beast are singing their own doxology of praise. And as they sing, who shall not fear? O Lord, and glorify thy name. For thou art only art holy. Amen. Thank God, friend. Uh, beloved, whether you like to sing or not, heaven will be a place of song. There are two songs that, 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 there's a few songs in Scripture that this could be. But I want to look at one. Everybody got time? Amen. Thank the Lord. Doesn't matter if you do or not. We're going to go there. Exodus chapter number 15. If you follow me there, Exodus chapter number 15. I'll read some Scripture for you. Everybody all right tonight? Amen. Exodus chapter number 15. Verse number 1, I want you to notice a few things in this verse. I personally am of the persuasion that this is the song they'll be singing. The Bible says, what does it say? It says the song of Moses, right? The song of Moses. I'm persuaded this is the song. Now listen to me real quick, okay? Listen to me real quick. Don't miss this. Get it out of your mind before we ever begin reading this, that this is talking about them crossing the Red Sea. It is. But get that out of your mind. Don't even think about that. 
Think about the context of the scripture in which we're in right now, okay? Revelation chapter number 15. That's what we need to be thinking about when we're reading this, okay? We need to be thinking about that and not how they're victorious over the Red Sea and Pharaoh and all that. Don't even think about that. Think about what the context of where we're at. Then sang Moses and the children. Everybody there? Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord, and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. Right? The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare him an habitation, my father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his hosts hath he cast into the sea. His chosen captains also are drowned in the Red Sea. So we gave a clear picture of what we're... Also how that could type something else, right? How that could... The depths have covered them. They sank into the bottom as a stone. Time out. Revelation chapter number 18, Babylon sinks as a stone. Nonetheless, I want to give you a picture. Thy right hand, O Lord, is become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, hath dashed in pieces the enemy. Is that not what's going to take place? Is he not going to triumph gloriously? He sure is. The Bible says that he is. I mean, is he not the strength and the song of all of those people? Is that not what we're singing about right here? I mean, is he not going to be a man of war? Yeah, he's going to be a man of war. And Pharaoh is a type of the Antichrist, if you didn't know that. And so all the chariots of Pharaoh's army, of the Antichrist, of all of the world's army are going to come against Christ. And guess what he is going to do? He is going to cast them into the sea. Amen. The depths have covered them. Thy right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Is it not going to be power? O Lord, has dashed in in pieces, the enemy, is he not going to do that? And in the greatness of thine excellency, thou hast overthrown them and rose up against thee, is he not going to do that? In Armageddon, thou sendest forth thy wrath, which consumed them a stubble. Is that not going to happen? Pretty clear, man. Pretty clear. And, and with the blast of thy nostrils, the waters were gathered together, the flood stood upright as a heap, and the depths were congealed in the heart of the sea. Now, I don't know if we've gotten over into chapter 16 yet, but just wait until you see what happens. The enemy said, I'll pursue and I'll overtake and I'll divide the spoil. My lust shall be satisfied upon them and I will draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. What does he have in Revelation 19? He has a sword that comes out of his mouth, which is the word of God. Thou didst blow with them thy wind, and the sea covered them. They sank as lead in the mighty waters. Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? Thou stretchest out thy right hand. The earth swallowed them up. Swallowed them. Thou in thy mercy hast led forth the people which thou hast redeemed. With what? Mercy? Thank God. Guided them in thy strength unto the holy habitation. We're going to see that holy habitation in a minute. The people shall hear and be afraid. Sorrow shall take hold on the inhabitants of Palestine. Then the dukes of Edom shall be amazed, and the mighty men of Moab, trembling, shall take hold upon them, all the inhabitants of 
Canaan shall melt, shall melt away. We're not going to read any farther. Well, yeah, we are. Fear and dread shall fall upon them by the greatness of thine arm. They shall be as still as a stone till thy people pass over, O Lord, till the people pass over which thou hast. What are they coming against them for? They're coming against Israel and trying to destroy Israel. Is that not right? Thou shalt bring them in and plant them in the mountain of thine inheritance in the place, O Lord, which thou hast made for thee to dwell in, in the sanctuary, O Lord, which thy hands have established. There wasn't a church sanctuary here. <clears throat> then what does it say? The Lord shall reign forever and ever. Now, the only time the Lord's going to reign forever and ever, I understand the Lord's in control. The only time he's going to reign forever and ever is the millennium reign. Huh? And then throughout eternity. If you ask me, say, preacher, who's Moses' what's Moses' song? It's Exodus chapter number 15. That's what I tell you. It's Exodus chapter number 15. And there they are. They're victorious. And they're victorious over their Pharaoh. That's what the rejoicing is. And in here, they're going to be shouting about that because they're rejoicing because they're victorious over their Pharaoh, Antichrist. There's a song of Moses. There's the song of the Lamb. So the Bible says, the song of the Lamb. They're home with the Lamb. I mean, they tell us much about him. When you say in these next few verses, they tell us much about him. And that's going to lead into my next point. The Savior most glorious. We, we, we talked about the saints of glory, the song of gratefulness. Now the Savior, most glorious. They go into this doxology of praise to the Lamb of God. And this is a song of the Lamb, amen? It's a song of the Lamb. And that's what they're singing about is the Lamb here. And so I want you to notice the works of the Lamb. The Bible says, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. J uh, Lord God Almighty. So His works... The Lord's work, we're uplifting Him tonight, amen. His works uh, uh, surpass the works of man. From creation to the cross uh, to the tomb uh, to the right hand of the Father in heaven and ascended back again, He descended back again. His works are marvelous and great. Amen. It's His works. Amen. The works of the Lamb. We see the ways of the Lamb. The Bible says a little farther. It says, Just and true are thy ways, thou King of the Saints. By the way, that's the only time he's called that in all of Scripture, the King of the Saints. But I'm telling you something is that it says his just, their, their works are, ways are true and they're just and they're always going to be that. Whatever decision he's ever made or ever will make will be just and true. Amen. Though they went through torment, uh, he was just and true. Understand, who, understand the, right, the, 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 the ones who are expressing this here. They've just come through torment and they said his works are just and true. They've just come through starvation. They said his works are just and true. Uh, um, they have faced uh, persecution uh, and death and they said his works are just and true. Uh, his works are all to be just and true. They're always going to be. And you know what? We all learned that tonight. His works are just and true. His ways are just and true. So His ways, His works. Then we notice the worship of the Lamb. The Bible says, Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify the name? For thou art only art holy, for all nations shall come and worship for thee. And so He, he alone is worthy of our praise tonight. Amen? He's, he alone is worthy of our worship tonight. We must fear Him in worship uh, and glorify Him in worship. Well, why? Why should we do that? He's holy. He's holy. 
And this even gives us a view of the coming kingdom. Notice what it says there. It says very clearly, For thou art only art holy, for all nations shall come and worship before thee. When? The kingdom. The kingdom. It gives us a clear picture of that. All nations will worship him. What a sight that's going to be, church. Amen. That's going to be a great sight. The worship of the Lamb. Then we see the wrath of the Lamb where the Bible says, For thy judgments are made manifest. They're made open. The world will find out the wrath of God. They said we don't want to leave anything out. We'll even sing of your wrath. We all do that too. Amen. Worship Him for it all. So we see the preparations set for the wrath of God. We see the peaceful saints within the wrath of God. And then we see the purity and the sevens of the wrath of God. The purity and the sevens of the wrath of God. We're not going to get into that much. The sevens. Because there's a lot of things we can look at. And I'm not, I'm not very fit in numerology. But I'll handle a few things. So John's focus is changed once again in verse number 5. And after that I looked. And behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was opened. temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was open. Now if a smart man would preach in this, he would say that the alliteration would be temple, tabernacle, and testimony. But I'm not smart enough to do that, so there's a different way that I'm going to break this down. And I need the Lord's help. So, so I, I, want, I want you to think, so, so how, come his, how come his perspective has changed three times? Anybody notice that? Changed two times. So it's, it's went from the beginning. He said, and I saw, verse number two, and I saw, verse number f- uh, f- six or five, and after that I looked. He's changing it. Now one thing we must keep in mind is that the holy, holy of holies that was upon earth was merely a representation of what was already in heaven. Read that and find it in the book of Hebrews. It was already in, the, in heaven, in the Holy of Holies, which was the tabernacle. And it's not just the tabernacle, but it's the Holy of Holies. There is the, there is the outermost court, and then there is the holy place, then there is the Holy of Holies. Uh, and it all led from the cross that has all come about. There's the laver, there's the wash pot. You go through the verse veil, and you'll find on the right-hand side a table of shoe bread. The left-hand side, you'll find the candlestick in front of you. You'll find the altar of incense. Then you'll go through the next veil, which was six, which was six veils all together. You go through that veil, and you'll come into the holy of holies. And in the holy of holies, you'll find three things. You'll find uh, Aaron's rod that budded. Well, four things. You'll find more than just that, nonetheless. But three things, which was inside of the ark of the covenant. There was the holy of holies. There was the broken law, and there was excuse me, holy of holies. There was the Aaron's rod that budded. There was the there was the broken law, and then there was was the manna from heaven. There you go. Thank you very much. And so there was in those things, and then there is the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant, and on top of the Ark of the Covenant is the mercy seat, and then there's two cherubims which come out and spread across. So when God looks down from heaven as they're traveling through the desert, He sees mercy, not judgment. And so what we are looking at here is something that is very simple but very profound and very big farther than me. But it is open in heaven, heaven, heaven. There's a few things that are open in Revelation. In Revelation chapter 4 and verse number 1, heaven is open. Right? 
John looked up. He said, come up hither. He came up. Heaven was open. And Revelation chapter 11, verse 19, the temple of God was open. And then this is open. The tabernacle or the testimony or temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was open. Now I'm going to read you a verse real quick, okay? Everybody all right? Hebrews chapter number 9 and verse number 24. The Bible says something there that I believe that we could take from. The Bible says, For Christ, let's, let's go to verse 22, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. Get in context. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. So that tells us there's a tabernacle in heaven. There's a holy of holy. God ne- Christ never entered into the holy of holies down here. But he entered into the Holy of Holies up there. And on there he shed the mercy seat. And he shed the blood and he placed it on the mercy seat of Christ. Which was in the Holy of Holies. Somebody say amen. Praise God. Thank God. And he makes intercession for us from the Holy of Holies. Amen, friend. I'm telling you, he says, For Christ does not enter into the holy place made with hands, which are the figures of the true. There's a true. But into heaven, not just heaven, but itself. Now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entered into the holy place every year with blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. So what I'm trying to say here is this place is a holy place. Wherever it is, whatever it is, it's a holy place. And I would say it's in the innermost parts of heaven. It's in the innermost parts of heaven and it's the place where it has to be. It has been entered by blood. It was entered by blood. I believe the tabernacle of the testimony represents the innermost court of heaven. And man had entered, has entered this court with the blood of Christ. And I believe it also gives us an idea of holiness as God, because it uses that word, it uses that word testimony, and that testimony was given, could be pictured as the law of Moses, as Christ gave the law to him, as a picture of holiness. That man could not sustain, or, or could not hold himself up to that, but they tried to. But he's perfect. That's why it's there, friend. That's why it's there. That's why it's there. Because the Bible, this is the true tabernacle. This is the true tabernacle. Now the Bible says, once again, I know I slowed down a lot, but the Bible says here, once again in Revelation, I mean, excuse me, uh, the book of Hebrews in chapter number 8, 
in verse number 2, the Bible says there, Now, verse 1, Now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such a high priest which is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary. Anybody read that earlier in Exodus chapter number 15? He's a, it's, it's considered to be a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched, not man. I believe that's what this is talking about. Everybody all right with that? It shows man's sinfulness. It shows God's perfectness. It shows God's holiness. This is the true tabernacle. However, I do not have a... I don't have a ton to say about that. But let's speak on a few things that we see in these verses here, and I'll be done. We see the purity and the sevens. We're going to kind of speak on both of them. Number one, we see the angels coming. In verse number six, at the beginning, the Bible says, and the seven angels came out of the temple. So out of the temple, out of what was just happened there. So they had to be pure. And the seven, they came out of the temple, and they have the seven plagues, and they were clothed in pure and white linen and having their breasts girded, with golden girdles. Now, the seven angels come forth from the temple, and we find that they're clothed in pure and white linen, and they're considered to be the servants of God. That's what they're fixing to do. They're fixing to serve the Lord. They're fixing to serve the Lord, and that's what they're fixing to do. And, and you know, just, just a side note to this. This is free. Just a side note. These are never said to have come out of the temple before. But it's pretty amazing what they've done. It's pretty amazing what they're fixing to do. We see the angels coming. Secondly, we see the angels clothing. It says in verse number 6, it says, They had clothed in pure and white linen, having their breasts girded with golden girdles. Now their garments stand as a reflection of the holiness and purity of Christ. They're, they're pure because they were created that way. Right? But understand that they are they're wearing golden girdles which testify to the majesty and the glory of God. And he, listen, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says his creation will reveal his glory. And that's what's happening with these. They're fixing to do something on the earth. And they're going to reveal his glory in it all. Amen. And so we see them, we see, then we see the angels clothing and the angels coming. We see the angels commissioned. The angels commission. Verse number 7, the Bible says, And one of the four beasts gave unto the seven angels seven golden vials full of the wrath of God who liveth forever and ever. So we see those which were once within the bell of the temple are now sent out of the temple to do the work of the Lord. As, as the angels come out and as they emerge out of that temple, one of the four beasts hands them a golden vial full of God's wrath which is to be poured out upon the earth. I mean, and the angels will deliver God's final judgment. Man, it's amazing. The angels will deliver that. We'll, we'll also look at these vials in detail in Revelation chapter number 6, but for now we need to understand that the Lord has chosen seven of the heavenly host for, to fulfill His plan upon the earth, His judgment plan upon the earth. They'll carry it out for Him. Amen. And then lastly, we see not only the angels coming, the angels clothing, commission, but we see the Almighty change. In verse number 8, in the temple, I'm not saying that God changes, understand. 
But he, it took him to change this. Understand, that's what I'm saying. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God. So we know why the temple was filled with smoke. Why was the temple filled with smoke, church? From the glory of God and from his power. And no man... Now, now seven angels just come out of this. But no man was able to enter into the temple till the seven plagues and the seven angels were fulfilled. John has experienced a scene where the glory of God filled the temple. Amen. Yeah, it's not the first time it's happened. Second Chronicles chapter number 7, verse number 2, it happened. It happened there. And the Bible says, And the, and the priests could not enter into the tent house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the house. Priest, not long ago we need His glory to fill this house. Now I tell you, it's interesting to note that the temple was open in verse number 5. Right? That new temple. That, not new temple, but that temple that God had set, that God had made. Not man. It was open in verse number 5. Is that not right? And after that I looked, and behold, the temple of the test, tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was open. And the seven angels came out of the temple. So it was open. It was open there, but now it's closed. So no man could enter into that place until the plagues were complete. I'm telling you, in this we see that the tender mercies of God have officially been withdrawn. They've been withdrawn. When Christ died on the cross at Calvary, the Bible tells us that the veil of the temple was rent in twain, right? From top to the bottom. What was that signifying? Access. It was signifying access for all men. His body was rent. That was rent. Outcome blood and water. Nonetheless, I ain't getting into all that, but the veil of the temple was rent. That veil has been open for all of these years. It has been open for every man to come boldly into the throne of grace so we might obtain mercy and help in a time of need. It's been open. But right here, it's coming back closed. It has been the last time that man has rejected God. It has been the last time that wicked man has looked upon the Almighty God and said, I will not accept you. For the last time, the door that Christ opened on the cross, He said, I am the door, right? And the door that Christ had opened on the cross of Calvary has been closed And the opportunity to enter in has ended. It has completely ended. And all who remain upon the earth will be lost in their sin and will meet God in their sinful condition. There will not be another opportunity for those who are on earth. And time and time again throughout... And I can't tell you exactly when this takes place either. Remember? It could be right at the end. It's got to be very close. But time and time again throughout the tribulation, God has extended and He's offered mercy and offered salvation. Time and time again, we agree with that. They're now left hopeless to face the wrath of God without any advocate. They're now hopeless and they're going to face the wrath of God without a mediator. Can you imagine this, right? Thank God He died for my sins. 
But he died for their sins too because he died for the sins of the world. But they chose not to accept it. And it's too late to cry out for mercy. It's too late to cry out and confess your sins uh, and do all those things. It's too late to do that. One day it will be too late. The Bible says the Spirit of God will not always strive with man. I know that's not the context here because we're not talking about the Spirit of God. But the Spirit of God will not always strive with man. It will not. It will not. And those who are left without Christ will find themselves in the torments of hell for all of eternity. They did not worship Him by choice. They are now going to worship Him by force. Simple as that. But what a dreadful state. Countless souls will find themselves as God begins to pour out His final wrath upon the earth. What a sad place it's going to be. I'm closing. The door of salvation is open today. Man, thank God that it is. The time of opportunity hasn't ended yet. All will stand before God and will be measured according to His holy standard. That's what we're going to be measured by. He's got a standard and we're going to be measured by that standard. When we go to the judgment seat of Christ, He's going to throw everything in there that's unpure and it's going to burn up. But when we're presented to God Almighty, we will be pure as Christ is. He'll say, look, they look just like me. I've already pured them. I've already went through, sent them through the fire. I've already done all of those things. And man's only hope today, this wicked world's only hope today, uh, is, to, uh, is to find himself acceptable under a righteous standard that God has set is through Christ. That's the only way that man's acceptable is through Christ. Not by works of righteousness which I have done, but according to His mercy, whereby He hath loved us. That's what Titus chapter 3 verse 5 says. He hath loved us. He did it. He did it for me. There's nothing I could do to obtain heaven. There's nothing I could do for any of those things. But I'm telling you, this evening, one day, the door of salvation will be closed. And you'll never meet the righteous demands of a holy God without Christ. But Christ will have withdrawn His whole ability to save. This is the impending wrath of God. The impending wrath of God. Let's stand to our feet tonight. If you need to come pray, we'll have somebody come play. If you need to pray for somebody that you got on your mind, whatever it may be, I know it's Wednesday night. I know it's out of the ordinary, whatever. That's fine. I don't, I'm not in the ordinary. Amen. I'm in, I'm in God's, God's denary. Amen. That's what we're going to go with. Lord, help us tonight. Lord, I pray God for my family. For Lord, I pray God that, Lord, no man ever have to see this. Lord, help us to be a light in a dark world. Help us, God, to reach those which are lost and dying without you, God. Help us use every single opportunity of our dying breath, Lord. Help us to use every single, every single opportunity 
that we have to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God under salvation to all which believe, Lord, to the Jew first, also to the Gentile, also to the Greek. Lord, help us, God. Lord, the Bible tells us very clearly in that same exact context there where the Bible says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, for the, it's the power of God unto salvation, Lord. Um, and the Bible tells us very clearly there in your word, Lord, in Romans chapter 1, where it tells us very clearly, God, uh, where it says, Lord, that for in there is the righteousness of God revealed. Uh, Lord, it says, from faith to faith, that is written, uh, the just shall live by faith. Uh, for the wrath of God is revealed uh, from heaven against all unholiness and unrighteousness uh, of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness. Lord, help us, God. Help us to not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Help us to tell those, Lord, uh, the impending wrath of God uh, is coming and we understand it, God. Uh, Lord, we understand it could be in the next seven years, uh, Lord, from this very moment. Help us, God, to get our family in. Uh, Lord, help us, God, to get our the church in, Lord, and all these people, God. Help us, Lord, to reach, oh my, with the gospel of Christ, Lord. We need to do it now. Uh, Lord, the good news of the gospel is not good news if it don't make it on time. Uh, Lord, help us to get it now. Uh, help us, Lord, not to squander time and waste the days, Lord, that you've given us uh, to give the gospel, the truth uh, to this whole world. Lord, help us now. Lord, we need your help. I need your help. Lord, help us to be bold. Lord, help us to tell it like it is, Lord, this day that wrath is coming. It is, Lord, and we believe it. Lord, we love you. We praise you, God. We thank you for all that you do. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for the door of salvation, Lord. And all that can come to you, Lord. Lord, help us, God, in this day, Lord, when the door is still open. We love you so much. In Jesus' name.